Welcome to Interviewing People, where we will talk to a variety of people with a focus on how they ended up where they are today, what they learned from their mistakes, and what advice they have for our futures. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to another Interviewing People, and today we have with us Emily Bandy, who is a 2000 graduate of Van Buren High School, and I still remember she was on my yearbook staff when she was here, probably her senior year, and I know she was very involved and so forth. So she's going to tell us a little bit about her experience, and she currently works for Sesame Street as a web producer, so we're going to figure out what that entails and hear a lot of her story and how she ended up where she is. So thank you very much, Emily, for joining us today. Happy and to be here. Probably our biggest question coming from Northwest Ohio is what's it like to live in New York City? Oh, I love that question. I love New York. Um, but yeah, I grew up in Ohio as well. I lived in Michigan and Illinois, so I was all around the Midwest, but I'd never really spent any time in this part of the country. Um, I visited for the first time when I was 13, and I was really into theater when I was at um, Van Buren and not really into the musicals and show choir and choir, all that stuff was like my main focus. So I really wanted to come to New York originally to see Broadway shows. All I wanted to do was see a show on Broadway. So I came to see Broadway shows when I was 13 and I was kind of immediately hooked on the energy of New York. Um, so for the longest time, I always had this distant idea of like, that's where I want to end up. I want to end up in New York. And I feel like it started as like, oh, I want to be on Broadway. I want to be a performer. And then that sort of morphed as I became older. Um, but living in New York, I love it. It's not for everyone. I'll say that. I think, you know, everybody kind of knows a little bit about New York from movies and TV shows. It's very fast. Uh, it's very loud. It's um, especially if you live in Manhattan, which now I'm in Brooklyn. Um, but I, I've been here for 15 years now. And when you live here, it becomes a home like anywhere else. It doesn't feel you don't. I think most people think Times Square, Empire State Building, Statue of Liberty. I never go to those places or think about those things, really. Um, I have my neighborhood. I have my local coffee shop. I got my friends. I had, you know, it kind of just becomes your own small town in a way. It's just a, a sort of bigger, busier small town. But um, yeah, if you've never visited, you should totally visit because there's a lot to do here, usually when it's not COVID times. Um, and there's amazing food and, and something that's always drawn me to New York um, is the diversity of people. You meet people that are so different from you and it's, it's really a really cool thing. And, um, you know, when I, lived in Ohio and went to Van Buren, it's, you know, it's a relatively small school and community. And I always felt like everyone knew everything about me and everything, everyone knows everything about everybody. And there was something so comforting to me about going somewhere really big where nobody knows anything about you. There's something really freeing in that. So, but yeah, a lot of the um, comforts that you get used to in other places you don't have in New York. So for mm -hmm. example, I don't have central air conditioning. Nobody has central air conditioning. It's just wow. not a thing here because we the, the buildings are usually pretty old and they're beautiful and uh, but there's these things that you get used to other places a lot of people don't have washers and dryers I do but it's not it's like a step up it's like an exciting thing when you get a washer dryer so there are some things you um, sacrifice to get here too so are you in an, in an apartment building or 
right now I'm in a, I'm in sort of what's called like a townhouse in Brooklyn. Okay. So there's the old, if you've seen in movies, there's kind of like the brownstones with the big stuff. So I live in one of those now um, because I'm married with two kids. So I moved to Brooklyn um, just a few years ago, but prior to that, I did live in an apartment, various apartments all over Manhattan for my first 12 or so years. What's the highest floor you were ever on? Mm, I never lived in a big high rise. I think my highest floor was six. So it was never, I didn't ever live in one of like the big massive skyscrapers. I like a smaller building. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, definitely different from Van Buren. You know, I'm definitely. on the second floor of the school and I feel like I'm really up in the air. So. <laughs> <laughs> So thinking about, and I know we really haven't talked about your career yet, but you mentioned COVID, and obviously that's on everyone's mind and so forth. And I guess, tell us how that has changed your life, living in New York City, um, your career, et cetera. And we can get into the specifics later, but just give us a COVID update, because I think everyone's always thinking about that right now. Yeah, no kidding. Me too. Um, yeah, the spring in New York in particular was very, very, very challenging. Um, things shut down really quickly. So I remember, I feel like all of us in New York have this moment of like, what's the last normal thing you did before the city shut down? And I was at work on a Wednesday. My boss was in town from LA. We went to this um, like bar right by uh, this restaurant bar right by our office. We had like drinks on the roof talking, oh, it's so crazy. What's going on? And then I have not been back to my office since, and that was March 10th. So that to me is always like, and I rode the train home, you know, that to me was like the last like normal thing that I did. Um, so with everything shut down really fast, I had no idea I wasn't going to be coming back to my office. So there was, I didn't, luckily I had brought my laptop home. <laughs> uh, my kids' schools closed down. So suddenly, you know, we were, my husband and I were both working remotely, which we still are. Um, with both of my kids ages five and one and a half at home. Uh, it was a lot. It was very overwhelming. I think you've been lucky enough that we both kept our jobs. That has not been the case for many people that I know, but the biggest change has really been the remote working. Um, I'll get into it more when we kind of get into careers, but I work really heavily in digital and that I'm very grateful for that because the transition to working remotely was pretty easy for me because I'm sort of used to doing everything online. And, but some of my other colleagues who aren't so kind of entrenched in digital all the time had a really tough time transitioning to then doing everything like this. So those of us who already had a lot of kind of digital experience, I think had an easier transition. But yeah, we just got an email from our CEO yesterday that we will not be expected to be back in the office until at least July of 2021. Oh, wow. So wow. we're home for the long term, which right. again, I think is pretty unexpected. Right. Um, but we're in a groove. It's been eight months now. So there are some things we've gotten better at and some things we've had to change. But um, I, I do miss the office. A lot. Yeah, I bet. I bet. So Obviously, there's no way to prepare for something like this, but prior to this, you have had a pretty long career with a variety of companies and so forth. So I'd love for students to hear some of what you experienced when you were in high school that you feel uh, prepared you for this type of the careers that you've had. And, you know, thinking about how did you choose to go to Indiana, to college, and, you know, how did all of that work together to get you to where you are today? Yep. 
So I actually have a very clear moment that Indiana came into play, which was my English teacher at the time, Mrs. Mowry, um, knew that I was interested in writing and I, I enjoyed writing and reading. And those were sort of the classes that I felt the most comfortable in and the classes that were the, came the easiest to me, but that also I, want, I wanted to do my homework. I liked my writing homework. It wasn't something that I dreaded, like some other subjects I might have not been as great in. Um, and I was talking to Mrs. Mowry about how much I was enjoying writing and writing classes. And she actually said to me, you know who has a great journalism school is Indiana University. Have you looked at them for college? And I, it had never even crossed my mind. I was looking at Ohio State, Ohio University, a handful. I hadn't really heard of IU even. And so that is really what triggered it for me. And then I was like, oh, journalism school, interesting. So then I started to think a little bit about, okay, how do I take this thing that I really like writing and how do I find a way to build that into, you know, my life in college and is that what I want my major to be? So I started to look around at different um, schools that had a particularly good journalism program. I looked at Northwestern and a few other places that I um, applied to. But when I started doing college visits and I went to Indiana, I was never going anywhere else. As soon as it's, I don't know if any of you have ever been there, but it is the most beautiful campus I still think that I've ever seen in my life. And as soon as my, my parents, you know, drove into the campus, I was like, this is it. I'm done. I'm going here. I loved it so, so much. I still love it. I love Bloomington. I love Indiana. I had the most wonderful experience there. All of my best friends still are my friends from Indiana. All my bridesmaids at my wedding, all of them. Love them. They're the best. Um, so that's how I ended up there. And I ended up a journalism major. I think when I was in high school, I was, again, like I said before, I was very into theater, very into music, loved singing, show choir, all of that. And I always had this thing in the back of my mind, like that was something I wanted to be able to kind of also keep doing. And Indiana also has a great music program. So I was actually a music minor and a journalism major. So I was able to find these things that were my main interests. And again, the things that didn't feel like work, things that felt naturally like fun to me and interesting to me and that I felt like I had a natural ability for. So I think that's a key when you're in high school. You don't have to know what you want to do. I didn't become a journalist, even though I was a journalism major, but the skills that I sort of learned there then led me in different directions because I realized during one of my journalism classes in college, I had this idea, okay, I'm going to be a writer for a music magazine. That's what I want to do. Music magazines are barely a thing anymore. But at the time, I was like convinced that that's what I wanted to do. And then as I started to actually take kind of magazine writing classes in college, I realized I actually liked the behind the scenes stuff more than I liked the writing. So I was actually looking forward to putting together the magazine, figuring out what went first, kind of yearbook stuff, right? Like right, exactly right. the type of stuff we do in yearbook. And I started to realize like, oh, I actually kind of, I don't, necessarily want to be the byline I like to kind of be behind and that's really what I do now a lot is that I'm kind of like the orchestrator behind the scenes of things getting made rather than the person making things so that was an interesting distinction but yeah in high school I think listen to your gut and what you like to do work doesn't have to be boring work can play to your natural strengths and I think that that's something I was able to maneuver um, so yeah, I ended up at IU and then 
I actually got an internship at IU that I think shaped my whole career, which is I got an internship with Cartoon Network. Um, and the only reason I got that internship is because they had representatives coming to campus and it was like an open, an open uh, interview. Anybody who wants can come and like interview with these people from Cartoon Network who were looking for rep representatives from universities around the country. And my other piece of advice, because I think that's what got me this internship and then just like a domino effect for the rest of my career, is become a good interviewer because I just felt like I clicked with the person interviewing me. We had a great conversation and then I ended up getting the internship and I think it was much more to do with clicking on a personality level than anything else. Sometimes it's just the ability to talk to somebody and that internship was amazing and I think really fueled a lot of what came after it. Cool, yeah. We've been talking a ton about relationships and how important that is. And yeah, communication, very, very important. So Definitely. you hinted a little bit about what you do, that you're not necessarily the one doing the creating, but you're doing the planning and so forth. Can you give us a little bit more background about being a web producer? Yeah, of course. Um, I always say that type A personalities make wonderful producers. So like if you're the kid in class who wants to do the whole group project themselves so they get an A, that was me, be a producer. Um, basically that's kind of what you're doing when you're a producer is you're almost leader of the group project um, and it's your job to pull all the pieces together and have something be on time on budget and of good quality so I happen to right now be focusing on web so websites of all kind across um, Sesame Workshop and Sesame Street but in the past I've also produced games videos it's the same general skill set it's just applying to the type of content that you're focusing on so when I'll kind of give you an idea of like a project that might come my way. So there might be a new show that the workshop is producing and they need a website for the show. So somebody comes to me and says, Emily, we need a website for this new show. And that's all the information I have. So then it's my job to get more details. Okay, you need a website. What's gonna be on this website? Who's the audience? Is it for kids? Is it for grownups? What's your goal? Are, are you gonna have games? Is it really just informational? So I gather all that and kind of create a content brief um, where I know what the thing is that we're making and then internally and externally pull together a team. So I have designers that I manage, developers who are actually the coders making the website, content writers um, who are actually doing the writing and everything. And then I sort of play puppet master, figure out who needs to give me what when, orchestrate approvals, work and also uh, deal with the budget as well. So it's your job to make sure that you're not spending more than you have. Um, so it's really a lot of just being super, super organized and detail oriented. The other big thing about being a producer is it's so much about relationships. I, people wanna do you favors at work if they like you and if you're nice to them. <laughs> they don't wanna do you favors at work if you were kind of a jerk last time you guys talked. So I think you don't have to be fake or phony at all. And you often do have to be making difficult choices and unpopular choices. So sometimes I have to basically be like, we're not doing that. We don't have time. We're doing this. People might not like it, but you really do have to keep that rapport um, because then it, that's how you have kind of have a well-oiled team. Everybody wants, everybody feels accountability and wants to kind of deliver together something great. 
Um, right. So I think that's something I've been able to excel at in my job is really making those relationships and trying to be a good partner. I'm not trying to ruin anybody's day. I'm not trying to, you know, make something harder for someone. I really want to be reasonable, but, you know, accountable for something good at the end of the day. Right. So it's kind of like you're the teacher of the... Uh... Uh, it is. <laughs> I actually, teacher would probably be what I'd be doing if I wasn't uh, doing what I'm doing. I love teachers. <laughs> So how does that compare with uh, what you did, say, with Cartoon Network, Penguin Publishing, other places that you've worked? Um, it's pretty similar to what I was doing at Penguin, but the Penguin team was a lot smaller, so I did more. Um, so I wasn't just doing web. I was also producing videos, and I ran all their social channels for the kids' properties. Um, so that was a, it was more wide-ranging. It all sort of relates. But now, like, I don't really manage social anymore. That's kind of a whole separate team. Um, before that, I worked, my first, what I consider kind of real career -y job in New York is I worked at a film studio. I worked at the Weinstein Company for four years. And I really started in kind of print advertising and trade advertising, because this was 2005 before digital was as big as it is. And then um, I think this is another kind of interesting thing to think about as you get into your careers, which is looking ahead. Um, so I was work I started my career in print. It was my first job. I was an assistant. So I was doing a lot of mailing packages and getting people coffee and also learning while I was doing that stuff. And um, I start, you know, you see the writing on the wall. Everything's moving digital. I need to learn about that because my job as it exists now is, you know, not going to exist. So I started assisting one of the um, digital leads there. And so by the time I left that job, I was ready to take a fully digital position at Penguin Kids, which then, you know, is obviously was the right choice <laughs> because now print advertising is, is, isn't really what it was then. So um, yeah, that led there. And then as far as my internship goes, that was really more of an, it was like an events-based internship. So it was about live events and, and hosting events, but they did, fly us to Atlanta for some marketing training at, with Cartoon Network execs, which was such a cool opportunity. Um, I think I benefited because it was the first year of the program and it was really like they were kind of giving us the gold star treatment. And I don't know that that continued to happen <laughs> after that year, um, but it was really cool. So I did feel like I learned a lot about branding and um, how an actual marketing works at a company and also about children's media which is ultimately kind of where I ended up so it was a really really good learning experience even though the actual kind of job wasn't really my thing to do right now you know you've obviously had various positions and I've been talking to students about the idea of when you graduate from high school 50 years ago a person you know myself you know I've been at Van Buren for 23 years and my hope is that I'm going to stay here for the rest of my career You've obviously had numerous positions, and in today's world, most people aren't going to stay in one position for, you know, their entire career. Yeah. Um, I guess, is that something that people are always looking for the next job, or do you feel like those things just kind of come up organically, or how does that typically happen, or how does it happen for you? So, I think when you're starting out in your career, movement is very normal and very common um, and almost necessary if you want to move up. 
So that's sort of how I felt at my first job here. I was an assistant. After a few years, I got promoted to coordinator. And then I was looking for a change of scene anyway. And I also felt like there wasn't really anywhere for me to go. If I, I could have stayed there forever in that same role, but I was like, eh. So I started looking because I wanted the next level up. So then when I was hired at my next job, I came in at an associate manager level, got promoted to manager. And then when I got my next job, I got hired at a senior manager level, promoted to producer, promoted to director. So I think you always kind of have to be, and it's not the case everywhere, but I think the sort of more entry level employees, you really almost have to look beyond. So you don't necessarily have to think of your first job as your forever job, I think learn a little bit. And for some people it is. I know people here who've been in the same job, you know, for 10 years. And now I've been at Sesame for right, something like that. And it, um, because I'm further along in my career, I don't feel the need, like my next jump would be a big one, you know, like I would be jumping to be a VP or something. And so I'm not really looking for, I kind of am where I want to be right now. So I don't feel the need to look around. But I do think often the reason people move on is because they either kind of feel stuck, like there's just nowhere to go. There's my boss and me and this person and there's kind of no in between. Um, and then I know a lot of people too, who as you get further along in your career, you get approached by people, you know, you have a LinkedIn profile, you do networking, someone might reach out and say, hey, I met you at such and such event and I have this open job and I kind of want to talk to you about it. So that happens too. But um, Oh, the other thing I want to say, because I feel like there's this myth out there that you can't get jobs by applying online. I've gotten every job I've ever had by applying online. So I am like <laughs> the person who can break yeah. that uh, untrue stereotype. Right. Well, yeah, those are exactly the things that we need to hear. And you started talking a little bit about that networking. And I've been trying to stress to students uh, that we they need to build relationships with people. And, and we are... Um, doing that through social media and, and other platforms. Uh, I guess, is there any specific experience you've had where a relationship has really had an impact on where you are today? Yeah, I can think of one. I think um, generally, I think it's really smart at whatever job you're in to maintain good relationships because you never know where people are going to end up. And so now people I worked with, you know, 10, 15 years ago are now at Yo, Netflix, Disney, you name it. So now it's like I know all of these people scattered about that if I was ever interested, I could be like, hey, hey, what's up? Um, but I do remember when I was leaving my film company job or looking to leave my film company job and I had my interview at Penguin, I felt like my interview went really well, but I had given some references and one of my references was a, a boss at, at the film company job and I had confided in him that I was looking and he was supportive. Um, and they knew the people at Penguin knew him because they had worked on like a film book collaboration together. And he took it upon himself to call them and like sing my praises and say that I should, you know, they'd be crazy not to hire me. So right. he really, that because they knew each other, um, he was able to be like, Hey, I know those people. I worked with them. Let the, like, I know the people you interviewed with, let me call them. So that was a really helpful thing. Um, and another one, another experience that isn't about me, but it's about a colleague, uh, a friend at work went to a networking event and met at this point in time, like a right out of college uh, woman that she sort of really connected with at this networking event. And 
when a job opened up on our team, had her, you know, had her information, got her in for an interview, and now she's been at the company for seven years. <laughs> so that person that just happened to meet someone from Sesame at a party has now been, you know, at the job for this long. So I think, it, it, you know, you hear so many different stories and so many different ways that relationships factor in. And I think it, I mean, it's important every step of the way, college, every job you ever had, you just never know where someone's going to end up. Right. So obviously with that, we have control of who we have build relationships with and, and how they're going to help us. And we're also talking a lot about how we can build our brands, how we can create content that's valuable to other people, uh, how it's important for us to then get that content in front of those people so that they see it, they see the value, they see our skills, so forth. Is that ever anything that you were thinking about when you were in high school or when did that start to become part or on your radar that, hey, I need to think about that and I'm in control of that and so forth? Yeah, I think it's interesting because when I was in high school, social media wasn't really a thing yet. Um, social media started to come to the forefront when I was in college. And so I think social media has made the self-branding thing a much bigger focus than it was when I was a teenager. So it definitely was not something I was thinking about um, when I was a teenager. But once I had to, I think once you have to start um, making a resume and actually putting your kind of life on paper, that's when your self-brand comes into play where you actually have to think about, okay, this person doesn't know me, they've never met me, and this one piece of paper is telling them everything they need to know about me. And I think the reality is like when you're looking for jobs, a lot of people have the same skills as you when you're just starting out. So I try to always think about like what make, what's an interesting talking point <laughs> for me that is gonna make my resume that doesn't have a whole lot on it because I you know, was just getting started um, what's going to make me stand out or make them think like, oh, this is someone I want to talk to more. And something I actually did, and I remember that it actually had an impact when I got my film company job, was um, I had my resume, all the usual stuff, experience, skills, et cetera. And then after, after um, I graduated college, I actually traveled for a year in New Zealand and I always thought that was a really interesting thing. I, like, I wanted to explain why I hadn't had a job yet, you know, because I was um, temping, kind of working around New Zealand. And so I put travel experience on my resume and listed like New Zealand, Fiji, this other thing. And so I think that that became a talking point where they were like, oh, I saw the, like, what was that like? And then that just gave me a chance to let them get to know me a little bit better and talk to them a little bit about, you know, who I, who I was outside of this piece so I do think um, finding a way to distinguish yourself feels really important because things can kind of blend together. Um, and as far as self-branding now, I do think, I mean, social is so important across the board. Thinking about what you're putting out there is really important too. You never know. Employers definitely look at your social when they're interviewing you. If you have it set to public, they're looking. So, you know, watch what you're saying, watch what you're posting. Um, because I do think that kind of gives them a little spy into who you are as a person. So it's definitely important to be putting good stuff out there. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting. The whole idea of 
and I don't know if you call it a gap year when it's after college. I usually think right. of it you know, before college, but uh, I'm interested in that. How how did you feel a lot of pressure to not do that, or were a lot of people encouraging you to do that? Sounds I, like it was a great experience, but it was great. And actually, um, I'll, I will advertise for the organization that I used because I think if anyone's interested in this, it's it's worth looking into. So. I went through this organization called UNAC, U-N-A-C, and it's a work visa exchange program. So, then it's not just, New, it's like New Zealand, Australia, uh, a couple different countries in Europe, Canada, and the United States. And they essentially allow a certain number of folks from New Zealand to get U.S. work visas and a certain number of folks from the U.S. to get New Zealand visas, and then they, it's like a work, work exchange. So you're, you have a visa to work for a certain amount of time while you're there, because who can afford to just go work? Right. So um, it, it was definitely, I think my parents were a little thrown by that choice, uh, because I've always been kind of an overachiever. Uh, I always loved school. I've always kind of like done what I was supposed to do. And then there was just this feeling after college that like I just wasn't ready to kind of dive in yet and so my I had and I had my best friend in college who, who did it with me which was helpful to have a partner in crime um so yeah you pay you know a certain amount of money for this visa exchange then you organize your airfare and all of that there's an office there where they'll help you job hunt they'll help you find housing they'll help connect you to other folks in the program if you don't know anybody um so yeah I ended up over there for almost a year we got like a flat with a couple local college girls. We got a job at a cafe up the block. It was very fun. I spent, so I was making money, but also, you know, traveling and kind of learning about what was happening there. And I also signed up for a temp agency and I was temping there, which actually ended up being great. Cause I feel like I, I got a lot of office skills during that time from just temping, answering phones, you know, typing, kind of getting used to an office culture, which is a new thing when you're just starting out in, at a career. Um, so that was, it was really, really fun. Um, and then we spent the kind of second half of our trip, we had saved up money from working and kind of staying in one place in, in Wellington, the capital. And then we got on a backpacker bus and just traveled around uh, for the second half. So we did all the fun adventure stuff. We went skydiving and we hiked the glacier and we went spelunking and it was great. So I definitely, UNAC, everybody check it out. If you have any kind of itchy feet or feel like you want to go on an adventure, it's, there's, there are age restrictions. So you have to do it while you're young. <laughs> I've aged out. I already looked. Um, but yeah, most of, most of it, it's like between a six and 12 month visa and you have to be, I think it's under 25 or something like that to take advantage of it. But it was a really cool situation. And then I felt like I'd kind of like gotten that out of my system. And I was really, by the time I came back, kind of ready, ready to come to New York and, and make it happen. Right. Yeah, I think it's so important to go see other cultures and recognize that, wow, not everything is exactly like it is in Bay Buren and Finley, Ohio. Exactly right. Yeah. I think there's, it's really eye-opening. And, you know, I grew up in small towns. I totally... I get it. You know, you're surrounded by a lot of people who are really similar to you. And so when you're sort of exposed to people that are so different, it's really eye-opening. And I think it, it also gives you a sense of what possibilities are out there. There are so many paths. 
your path doesn't necessarily have to be high school, college job. Like there are other ways to have a successful life and you might still end up there. Like I still ended up with, you know, a husband and two kids and a cat and a job, but I sort of had a, a more non-traditional path getting there and that I kind of took a year. And I think it's also important. Like, I don't want it to sound like I just, that this was all easy. It wasn't like I came back from New Zealand and I had no money. So I moved back to my college town and I worked at a T-Mobile wireless stand in the mall for six months. And I'd already graduated from college and I was like, what am I doing? What am I doing? And I basically finished, like, I just kind of woke up one day and I'd been just drifting basically, like working these weird hours at the mall. And I was like, I'm going to buy a plane ticket to New York. And I bought a plane ticket to New York with no job. My parents thought I was insane. My friend was going to law school here. So I crashed with her in her one bedroom apartment <laughs> until I got a job. And I, I actually signed up for a temp agency here as well. And it was great. It helped me pay the bills until I settled in and was able to get my own focus and got a more um, stable job. But it, I would highly recommend it if you, if you don't know. And but the person I was working with, the recruiter I was working with at my temp agency, um, was the one who kind of got me into a long-term six-month contract somewhere. And that's when I was able to settle and be like, okay, I can live here. You know, I was able to, to have that chance to really make it work. That's cool. So, yeah, I love what you said about you know, not everyone's path is traditional. And the, the fact that, yeah, you were working for six months for T-Mobile. And, yeah, uh, that, that's, that's great. That I had an epiphany, you know, and I think that that's the thing is that like, um, it, you might have these weird kind of lulls. I think it, it's sort of a roller coaster ride in the beginning. Well, and not everybody, I kind of always knew I wanted to be in New York, but not everybody has that clarity either. Of like, here's the place I want to be. So I think you have to bounce around a little bit and just be open to the opportunities that come your way. Understand that it might not look like you envisioned it. It might not look like sort of what's on paper or what you always thought your checklist was, but that some of those experiences can lead you to other things. I think it's so much of it is like a gut feeling. Like this is, this is the thing. This is for me, this is right. And it's also, it also goes the opposite way. You can have a gut feeling that it's wrong. You know, I know people who move places and we're kind of immediately like, nope. And I've had some job interviews in the city. An example, I think it's when I ended up at Penguin, I was interviewing at quite a few places. I got an interview at Comedy Central. And I was so excited because I thought like, oh my gosh, this job is made for me. This is going to be amazing. I'm going to love it. It was like the worst interview of my life. They clearly were not charmed by me at all. <laughs> and I walked out of there feeling terrible, but I knew, okay, that wasn't my place. I didn't feel like I fit there. It wasn't for me and that's okay. It was someone else's place, you know? So I think it's through experience. It definitely, you kind of, Get a, get a sense of when it's right and not right. And with Sesame, right after my interview, I knew. I was like, this job is mine. It's mine. I know it. I just like felt it in my gut that this is where I belonged. <laughs> Very cool. So did you, you ended up with a journalism major, is that correct? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Is that typical for someone who's doing web production or could there be 50 different majors that people yeah. end up with in web production and so many different majors. I think majors are a really interesting thing because when you're in high school and college, they're so, there's such a focus and you're so um, 
what am I going to major in? Do I have the right major? Do I need to switch majors? And so often, I don't want to say it doesn't matter because I don't mean to be that flippant, but it is um, the skills that you learn matter, but it doesn't actually matter that I have a journalism. And that's not true for all jobs. There are certain jobs where you have to have a certain degree in a certain right. subject. So if you're really focused and you, you know, you have to have a degree in this to get this job, but for kind of general media jobs, I know every major under the sun that works at Sesame, everything you can think of. There's a certain subset of jobs at Sesame where you, you have to have like a PhD because it's about the education piece. And so we do have those folks that have gone on to, you know, higher ed. Um, but most of us were all over the map. And like my, I feel like my husband is a good example. So he uh, is a stats analyst for Major League Baseball and he was a history major. Okay. So it's sort of like, it has nothing, I, it, it, on the surface, it has nothing to do with it, but his sort of um, memorization of facts and knowledge and these things does relate to what he does now. So even though it doesn't have to do with history, I can see how those things correlate. And I feel like it's similar for me with journalism. I took, you know, a lot of editing classes and I had to do a lot of project management and all of that stuff through my journalism classes that now pertain to what I'm doing, even though I'm not necessarily. A so I think it doesn't have to be so literal and it's more about what are the skills I'm going to learn under this topic? And is that generally kind of in line with what I'm looking for? Perfect. Um, you also might change your mind, too. Right. I think that's important. Right. I know a lot of people who change their mind. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. Perfect. What you think something's going to be and what it actually is can often be very different. So you think you want to major in something, and then you start taking the classes, and you're like, I hate this. <laughs> like, that. listen to yourself, you know? you might, It might not be what you imagined, and that's okay. <laughs> Good. So my last question for you, uh, imagine that you are back in high school. What is something that you wish someone had told you then about careers and uh, the working world that you know now? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I think for me, it would, and we've sort of touched on this a little bit, but I think it would largely be that you don't have to know exactly what you want your job to be. The experiences that you have between now and settling into a career are going to dictate where you end up. So you're gonna have things happen to you this year, next year, the following year that are gonna then change your mind about what you're interested in, open your eyes to something you never knew about. So I think it's really just being open-minded that and taking in all the experiences that you possibly can. Um, like I could have never said that this was gonna be my job 15 years ago because this barely was a job 15 years ago. You know, like the, websites and digital and all of that was just kind of becoming a big thing. So there are jobs that are going to exist when you're going into the workforce that may not even exist now. So I think it's always just being open-minded and listening to, listening to yourself about what you're interested in, not what someone tells you you should be interested in. So you're going to know, you know, if I, if you enjoy something or if something comes naturally to you. And those are really the, the things to focus on. Because again, like I said earlier, work doesn't have to be horrible and boring. Work can be fun and work can kind of be an extension of who you already are. And then it all just feels easy, you know? Like I'm already good at this and now I get paid to do it, cool. 
<laughs> not to say it's always going to be fun, but you know what I mean. <laughs> right. Well, that's perfect. So I think that's a great way to end. Uh, thank you very much, Emily, you for it. offering your insights and a lot of really good information that I know students are going to benefit from. So thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you.